Hello, and welcome to another Veterinary Team Training Podcast. My name is Amy Newfield, and I'm both the host and owner of Vet Team Training. Please check out my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com. Today, I want to talk to you about firing the ineffective, toxic employee. And I know it's hard because we're all short-staffed right now, and I hear this a lot. I hear a lot of, I can't fire him or her because we're so short-staffed, I don't know what I would do. But let's dive into this topic because right now, we're struggling with a lot of employees that are very toxic to our cultures, very toxic to our workplace environments, and yes, we are very short-staffed. So let's go ahead and dive into When should we terminate someone because of behavioral-based issues? Certainly, to me, there are some big red flags out there that if an employee actually went ahead and did any of these things, it's automatic grounds for termination. So this would include things like a physical assault to anyone. That's clients, pets, or a staff member. It includes, even to me, if a staff member throws anything across the treatment room floor, at someone purposely, that to me is a physical assault. So for example, clipboards, capped or uncapped syringes, pens, and unfortunately this is a common occurrence in many of our hospitals of individuals who get angry with somebody and send something whizzing by their head. To me, you that is a, a potential physical assault on someone, probably should be grounds for termination, um, even if it is your highest grossing surgeon, that's just completely inexcusable. Theft of any kind. So this includes hospital documentation. So when we have things like pricing structure or pay ranges in our hospital and we have a disgruntled employee who then goes ahead and posts it on social media or sends that information to a competitor, to me, that is considered theft. Um, Hopefully you guys are having your employees sign uh, non-disclosure agreements that clearly state that what's in this hospital is unique to this hospital and cannot be shared. So consider that. Certainly also just blunt theft, like money from a colleague's locker or pharmaceuticals. You know, just we see that unfortunately a lot where people are pinching, you know, heartworm medication or deworming medication or various other flea and tick products and they're taking it home to their animals and not paying for it. Um, Working under the influence, substances of any kind is inexcusable. Vandalism, building cars, it doesn't matter if you have an employee that's doing any sort of vandalism. That to me is a a automatic grounds for for, uh, termination. Severe verbal threats. So if you have employees that are threatening to harm or kill or do something to somebody, those should be taken very seriously. Um, Harassment. So racist, religious, sexist, or other discriminatory language or behavior, if it is pretty concrete, again, not just hearsay, but we know it's definitely happening, probably should be grounds for termination. And then falsification of company records or medical charts certainly should be uh, considered something for grounds of termination. So those to me are some of the more concrete ones that, you know, when someone does something like that, when we have those unfortunate instances in our hospitals, those are tend to be a little bit easier to excuse someone from our hospital. But what about all the behavior problems? What about, it goes beyond just, you know, being able to tell someone that they're coming in late. It's the behavior problems of the negativity, the gossip, that sort of destructive behavior that unfortunately plagues our hospitals and actually causes our hospitals a ton of harm. You could have a brand new employee who walks in, sunshine, rainbows, unicorns, and very quickly their attitude is turned because of this one negative team member who comes up and says, I can't even believe you applied here. I mean, this place, I mean, they are going to 
They're going to chew you up and spit you out. But let me take you under my wing. I'm going to be your best friend. But let me tell you everything that's wrong with this place. In one day, that brand new employee could be absolutely destroyed and have a reshaped mind of exactly what did I get into when I decided to say yes to this brand new job. So we have these employees in our hospitals and documentation of behavior problems can be really difficult because it's a lot of times he said, she said sort of things. You get a lot of employees that are probably going to be coming up to you and saying he or she is so negative. They are very, you know, toxic. They gossip a lot. How do you document that? What does that look like? And for many of you, you're trying to document it. You pull that particular individual who's been accused into your office and you say, hey, here are some accusations. And what do they do? Absolutely not. I never said those things. I can't believe they would say, I love working here. And in your mind, you think, oh, okay, yeah, absolutely. But you know that's not true. And then you send them back on the hospital floor and you hear more and more complaints about this particular individual. So how do we address those issues and what does that look like? So let's get a couple definitions out there first. There is actually a difference between a difficult employee and a toxic one. Your difficult employee is someone who still comes in, but maybe they come in late. Maybe they are slightly more demanding when it comes to X, Y, and Z, but overall they are still talking positively about the hospital. They do great work, but they're difficult because they're struggling in a certain area. A toxic employee is one that not only does harm, but they also spread it to everyone else. It's not just that they're coming in late and affecting primarily themselves or just a certain segment of the team. It's actually almost like a disease, like an infection that they're giving to other people. There's a pattern of negativity, gossiping, frustrating others, putting down teammates, and really sucking the energy, de-energizing the team. It's not just that somebody is rude or negative. It's that the whole team suffers because of it. So it's not just a individual who can be difficult. It's actually a problem that's now systemic in your team or in your hospital because of this one particular individual. That's what makes it toxic. And the hardest thing about this individual is that the behavior really doesn't run against anything legal. So you can't fire them if others in the organization, in the hospital, don't actually agree that a line has been crossed. If everyone accepts the toxic behavior and no one is actually seeing a problem with it, then it becomes really hard to document it if you're the only person, if you're the only manager or the only teammate who's struggling with this one individual. So let's dig into this of exactly what we can do and why we need to do it. Let's first talk about why it's important to address toxicity or toxic employees in our hospitals. So unfortunately, I hear you. You are short-staffed, everybody's short-staffed. Ever since I have entered in this veterinary profession in the 90s, we've been short-staffed, at least from a vet tech standpoint. Um, I understand we are now at an all-time short-staff low. It, worldwide, this is an actual thing, so it's not just to the United States, but across every country, people are fighting for veterinarians, vet techs, vet nurses that are skilled and trained because we are so short-staffed. We have sort of saw this, you know, the great resignation um, of 2021 and now probably even part of 2022, uh, where a lot of employees just decided they have prioritized their life and their life does not want to include burnout in the veterinary hospital or low pay 
or toxic workplace environments. And so they up and quit. And we saw this in our veterinary industry and it is obviously still a problem as I'm doing this podcast. But when we think about our toxic employee, it's so easy to just use it as an excuse to keep this person. We're so short staffed, we can't fire them. They're the only surgeon. We won't be able to do surgery. We can't fire the veterinary technician because he's our only credentialed one. We won't be able to function as well. What are we going to do? So I'm here to tell you that it's actually going to benefit your hospital to get rid of that toxic employee so that it opens the door to a happier and healthier workplace environment. I've written a couple blogs about this as well as done some podcasts. And so if you haven't done so already, I would encourage you to read one of my more recent blogs called Your Team is Broken, Stop Complaining and Fix It that sort of dives into overall arching. If you have a super negative team, everybody on your team seems like they're complaining and full of gossip. These are just kind of starting points of how to start fixing your team. But really, what does that one toxic employee cost your hospital? What does that look like? Well, it's interesting. There's been a couple studies out there um, and they range from anywhere from about $12,000 to only about $8,000 per toxic employee that would cost your hospital. And the reason that they came up with these figures was it's everything from potentially HR time, having to deal with that individual, uh, dealing with other employees who are unhappy with this particular individual, dealing with underperformance because often our toxic employees are miserable, so they don't tend to do good work. Um, they're coming in late. They may, you know, go home early. So certainly there could be that factor as well. And then ultimately we have to add in another cost, which isn't even factored into that eight to $12,000 range in several studies that were done for the cost of the actual toxic employee, which is when the toxic employee causes other people to quit, you now need to replace them. I once actually for a company dove into the cost of replacing one veterinary technician in terms of interviewing, training, hiring this person, my time to interview this person, all of those things. It costs anywhere from about six to $8,000 to replace a veterinary technician. So when you factor in the hiring cost of people who are leaving because of this toxic individual, the six to $8,000 plus the eight to $12,000 that you are that this particular individual is costing you because of time needing to be spent to try to correct their behavior and again the underperforming well now this individual is costing you 14 to 20,000 dollars of your hospital's time that's a lot of money I have talked to countless hospitals over the past couple of years since the pandemic started and one thing that I hear a lot of over and over and over is we kept this person on, we kept them on for too long. And you want to know something, Amy? And I say, what? The minute we let them go, we were busier, but gosh, it was just such a breath of fresh air. The team was a lot happier. It was like a whole new team. Yeah, totally. It's sometimes that engaging and enlightening to let go of that negativity that actually does feel like a breath of fresh air. A study that was done out of the University of New South Wales in Australia actually demonstrated contagious negative behavior and how truly infectious it was. Basically, they put actors in groups and these actors were everything from slacker to toxic toxicity, negative behavior to just being a poor performer. And they wanted to see whether or not the actor could infect 
the rest of the group. Now, the rest of the group was unaware that there was actually an actor staged in their group. And so what they found is that groups with just one underperformer, one toxic individual, did not do as well as the groups that had all performers. And so even in the groups that were all performing, they actually made sure that there was an actor in there that was performing at their best. And there was a difference of 30 to 40% difference in terms of the success of what they were asked to do. And they were asked to do both mechanical tasks where they physically had to do things with their hands. And then they were asked to do things where they had to think with just their brains and use their brains more. For example, math problems. But one of the more interesting things that came out of this particular study that in only 45 minutes, that group actually started taking on the characteristics of the actor. So for example, if they had put a quote unquote slacker actor in the group, within 45 minutes, the rest of the team would eventually start also saying that the task was stupid, it wasn't even worth doing, and they didn't know why they were there because they were following and mimicking the slacker. If someone was depressed, then that group actually took on a level of depression. They would become in, uninterested in the, in the task and they would actually say, well, we're never going to be successful. Well, we're never going to be, you know, succeed. And in the toxic group, because of that toxicity from one individual within 45 minutes, that group became very negative and they started talking garbage about how stupid it was and they just wanted to get out of the room. And again, these groups were only together for 45 minutes. So it was a really eye-opening study because again, it talked about contagious behavior, but I think even the researchers from the University of New South Wales wasn't expecting the fact that these guys would actually also start to mimic the behavior of the dominant individual, aka the actor in their group. Very fascinating. So now I want you to think about that one toxic person who's now been embedded in your culture and what it's doing to the rest of your team. They've been there for way more than 45 minutes. They're loud, they're negative, they're gossiping, they hate on your hospital, everything sucks. What do you think that does for contagious behavior throughout your group? So it's not just a money thing that we're putting onto the toxic person. We're also now talking about it actually being truly contagious and infectious in the rest of the hospital. Now we know that there's a cost of keeping a toxic person. So what do we do about this? Because again, documenting a toxic individual and that negative behavior, that infectious you know, behavior that we see in our hospital, it can be really difficult. So let's dive into that a little bit. First and foremost, leadership sets the tone. And unfortunately, some of you who are listening to this, if you are in that leadership role, yeah, some of you are the toxic person. It can be really frustrating because I've talked to a lot of teams in my career and they'll say things like, we want to be really positive. We want a positive culture. We're really happy on the floor. But our owner, our hospital manager, our practice manager, the medical director, our, our technician manager, they're miserable. They really are so negative. They talk bad all the time. In fact, my technician manager always gossips to me about everyone else. And that can be really difficult because what our employees expected to do and I have seen countless teams. I call them the bubble teams. They sit in their own little bubble. Every, there's, you know, a literal dumpster fire coming down their hallways. You know, everything's going bad. But here they are in their happy little bubble and they're successful. That's amazing to me. You know, leadership's bad. Things are falling apart. And they're like, we love working here. And you're like, 
thinking in your head, how, how are you loving working here? Have you not seen what's outside of your bubble? But they're so focused on their own individual team and the work that they're doing, they do not see the dumpster fire. It's amazing. For the most part though, most hospitals, if the leadership is negative, it does trickle down. So if you're in a leadership role, I need you to make sure that you're setting the tone, that you are making sure that you're not the toxic person. And listen, if you are the toxic person, it's probably because you're burned out. And that's the same conversation that you need to have with yourself, but also you need to have with that team member. So we need to dive in. Why is this person negative? What exactly is going on? And that's a tough conversation to have. Here's where I see a lot of leaders failing. They pull this person into the office. They've had a lot of complaints against them. They may be or may not be starting to become late into the hospital. They are starting to have, you know, underperformance, whatever that looks like. They're trash talking members of the team. You know, you've got front office who's crying. You've got, you know, a medical doctor who's crying and a very mean veterinary technician, for example. You pull that vet tech into the office. And this is what most managers have for a conversation. They say, listen, I hear you've been doing a lot of gossiping and, neg and you're very negative. I hear that you've been struggling with so-and-so on the floor. I need you to come in on time and I need you to be less, less negative and I need you not to gossip so much. What the hell does that mean? What does that even mean? And then we have managers who pull people into office, kind of repeat the same rhetoric, but they add in a specific thing. I heard you did X, Y, and Z. What does that even mean? And so we need to really dial in, what does this truly mean for this person? If I was told that, what do you think is gonna happen? If I sat down and was told, you're really negative, you need to basically shape up. That doesn't provide me a lot of information, even if you give me an example. And it's hardly coming from a kind and compassionate place. It's coming from attacking me. What do you think is gonna be my response? I'm gonna attack back. No, I don't act like that. That's ridiculous. Well, she did this and blah, blah, blah. And now all you have is this he said, she said type of thing happening in your office. I need you to not attack the employee. I know you want to attack the employee. You're ticked off. They're breeding nothing but toxicity throughout your hospitals. What I instead, what do you need to do and sit down and say, you don't seem as happy here as you used to. I'm worried about you. What's going on? You seem like you might be burned out. Let's get to the root of the problem of why this person is so negative. Why is this person gossiping so much? Why are they trash talking? Why are they being mean? Why are they yelling at people on the floor? What is going on? What is the issue? Let's get into the root of that problem. So I encourage you to meet with this individual and simply ask from a kind and caring place. You don't seem like yourself. You seem very unhappy. I'm concerned you might be burned out. What's going on? You need to get to the root of the problem if you have any ch chance of helping them. And listen, there may not be the opportunity to help this individual because the reality is only they can help themselves. But ultimately, if this person's truly unhappy with the job, and since they're telling everyone they're miserable there, this place is a bunch of shit, and um, you know, and this place is going to hell in a handbasket, they seem unhappy in their job. Let's get to the reason of this. What's going on? Are they maybe frustrated with a particular coworker or their new schedule, or are they struggling with their personal life? Can we figure out what's going on? Because if, again, if you have any chance of helping this person, first step is, figuring out what's causing them to be so negative. Give them direct feedback. In many cases, toxic people are oblivious that they even have the effect that they're having on other people. They're so used to complaining and others receiving it well 
that they continue to do it. Most individuals who hear gossip or negativity from an individual, they go, oh yeah, no, you're totally right. Or, oh, that sucks. Or, oh, really? I didn't think that way. But now that you say that, very few people are confrontational or try to reframe the situation when someone is negative and or gossiping to them. And so most of the time, the people are don't even realize that they're as destructive as they are. These people that they're talking to are receiving the information and nodding their heads, so clearly they must be agreeing with them. They're just too focused on their own behaviors and the needs to be aware of the broader impact. And that's where we as leaders or managers or even good friends of these individuals need to do some coaching for them. Providing direct feedback can be really hard because a lot of us put sugar on top of shit and we don't wanna do that because in the end, it's still shit. And so you wanna make sure that you don't sugarcoat it. Instead, you wanna tell them in a kind, compassionate way. So we hopefully got to the root of what's going on. You know, they've got a lot of stuff going on in their personal life or they feel like leadership isn't listening to them or they feel like they're burned out because they have too many appointments on their schedule. That's great. Now we have tangible information as to why this behavior is occurring. Now we need to explain what they need to do and what we are going to do. If we have tangible information that we can go off of, listen, you don't need to solve the problem in one meeting. You can literally say, thank you so much for explaining why you're so unhappy because I've heard that you are very negative on the floor and now it completely makes sense. I want time to digest what you just said, but in the interim, I cannot have you continuing to be negative and talking badly about X, Y, and Z when I'm in your corner trying to help you. Can you please work on X, Y, and Z? So this is a two-way commitment, but you need to be able to say, I cannot have you doing X, Y, and Z. Here's the behavior I need you to stop. What ends up happening is, listen, I know that, you know, a lot of your coworkers have said that you are gossiping and, you know, I know we like to all be friends and we like to tell stories and I get it. You're good friends with a lot of people outside of work, but sometimes when you are talking to other people and you gossip, it comes across as really rude and I get it. I know you don't really want to be rude like that and you're just trying to be, you know, friends with everybody, but could you like, if you don't mind, please just maybe not gossip so much. I know you're not gossiping that much, but like if you could just gossip, like just don't do it. Cause you know, we're trying to have a happy culture. I know you know this stuff. (laughs) That's one of my favorite lines. I know you know this stuff, but so that's the sugar on top of the shit I'm talking about. I need you to not do any of that. (laughs) I don't need you to say, I know you know this, but clearly they don't because they're doing the behavior. Instead, I need you to say, the behavior out on the floor that you have been displaying isn't the behavior we want in this hospital. And I am going to look into your X, Y, and Z complaint, but I need you to work with me and I need you to also help me help you. I can't be having you go out on the clinic floor and bash whoever or bash this or that when I'm clearly trying to help you. If we can't get to the root of the problem, it makes obviously a lot harder to have that conversation. Um, And then we certainly need to make sure that we follow up. First of all, document everything. They don't necessarily need to sign the actual complaint, but you need to put in their employee record. I talked to so-and-so, this is what I talked to him about. This is documentation 101. We often see employers having conversations with employees 
but they don't document it. They just think a conversation's good enough. I am a big, you cannot over-document, trust me on this. When it comes to the law and legality, documentation of every single conversation that is performance-based at all, no matter how small you think it is, is key. This is a really big deal because otherwise employees will say, we didn't have a conversation about that or that's not what you said. So that's really important. In the end, if you have tried to fix this person's problems or you are unable to actually improve this person's problems and you have clearly talked to them, tried to help them, come from a place of compassion and empathy. Again, don't just go up to them and say, I need you to just stop gossiping. That's not gonna help. Why are they gossiping? Get to that root. If you've tried to do all of that, then in the end, you need to start then having these conversations where you say, this is our third time meeting. Um, it's my understanding that you're still pretty unhappy. Let's talk about that. Are you still unhappy? Yeah, I'm still unhappy about blah, blah, blah. Okay. I don't know how to help you because I've done all these other things. You still maintain that you're unhappy here. Maybe this isn't the place for you. And that's really a hard conversation to have. But in the end, sometimes it's not the place for them. We have to accept that some people are not going to change. Even though we come from a place of kindness and compassion and empathy, and we're trying our best to help mold and guide this particular individual, the end result is that they don't want to be helped or they're in such a negative headspace that they can't get out of it. And sometimes a change of pace is okay. So of course we should always hope that the person can change and will change and wants to change, but everyone's not going to respond to the tactics of you caring about them, deeply caring about them and wanting to help them be a less bitter and angry person. The end result is that it's up to them to want to change. There was a study that was done a few years ago by Dr. Porath, and he was researching incivility, and he found that about 4% of people engage in incivility, meaning just insubordination and toxicity and just acting unruly, because it's actually fun, and they get a thrill about getting away with it. And so we have to recognize there's a certain set of population of individuals who actually pride themselves in just being jerks. They actually think it's wonderful. And you tell them no, and they go back out on the clinic floor, and about 4% of those people are going to just go ahead and do it because it's fun for them. They brag about it. They think it's amazing. And these in these extreme cases, we have to recognize that we're not going to be able to fix this problem no matter how much we come from the angle of wanting to care and help them be in a happier mindset. Again, I can't stress enough, but definitely document every single offense. Every time you have a conversation, even if it's just a conversation, document it, document it, document it. This is really key. In the end, we have to recognize that our time as managers, leaders, and even coworkers is valuable. Managing a toxic person can eat up your time, your energy, and productivity. And so if we are spending most of our time on our toxic person, well, then what about our superstars? What about our highest performers? They're being neglected, and guess what's going to happen to them? They're going to start feeling undervalued, underappreciated because you're spending all this time, and now their means, the superstar needs, are being not met. And now what do you think is going to happen to them? They're going to start becoming negative. So you are better served with always putting more of your energy into the team that's doing best for your hospital than that one or two individual toxic members. In the end, you want to make sure that you surround yourself with supportive, positive people who are all driving towards the same hospital goal. 
looking for that meaning, for that purpose in work, that are loving what they're doing. Because if someone is draining you of your energy, well then it's going to be really hard for you to be able to be an effective leader, manager, or even coworker. It's hard saying goodbye to an employee, especially an employee who happens to be medically and talented with great nursing care skills or great doctor medical skills. Whatever that is, it's hard to say goodbye to them right now because we are all so short-staffed. But I want you to look at it from a perspective that this person is financially and emotionally draining your hospital. And if we can then realize how much time it's taking for us in coaching and behavior issues, it might just be ready to say goodbye to them. And in the end, if we say goodbye to that one person, maybe it frees up the hospital to allow them to become a healthier, happier, and better cultured hospital, which then gets more people into your hospital. And that is really important as well. Thank you guys so much for listening. I know this is a tough podcast, but I hope it gives you some ideas, the encouragement to obviously let go of someone that you have been working with for an exceptionally large time, and also hopefully ways of improving that toxic person, having those kind and caring conversations, hopefully turning that person around and getting them to see that we wanna work with you, but you need to help me help you and tell me what I can help you with. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please check out all my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com and keep on being a unicorn.